0: Dig a bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Well, it's hard to believe, but it is the very last month of the hour has come. We are studying the sayings of Jesus from the cross this month. I hope that you're almost finished i'm going to try to crank out these four digabits very quickly and hopefully they'll be up for you very soon so that those of you who are trying to finish before ptp will not have a problem doing that although we are counting down i'm very excited that we will be revealing on august 20th the new topic for digging deep 2022-23 you'll be able to find that at three o'clock central standard time on the digging deep facebook page that reveal it will be a tad bit earlier than that at polishing the pulpit just simply because we don't have enough bandwidth with there i believe to to do it uh, completely live so i think that that you'll be hearing about it just after it finishes at polishing the pulpit very shortly after it finishes and all of the books will be available. Don't forget that there's always a free download available on our website and then all the books and t-shirts and all those things will be available on August 20th. I'm very excited about that new study. I wanted to talk just for a minute about Luke 23 verse 34 where Jesus said, Father, forgive them, those who were crucifying him, for they know not what they do. In your text, it says it's unbelievable that a man with spikes through his hands would cry out to his father God for the salvation of those who had spit on him, ridiculed him, scourged and beaten him, sentenced him, and then nailed the nails through his hands and feet and hoisted the cross to its upright position. What the Lord had gone through at the hands of his own countrymen was unspeakably torturous What's really the heart of the matter, though, is that these men were not really his countrymen. They were not his truest relations. His home was in heaven and his family was the family of God. He had only visited for 33 years the sphere of man in order that he might do the very job he was completing on the cross when he said, It's finished. As we speak about, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do from Luke 23, verse 34, it is interesting to note that Luke doesn't include everything that Jesus said from the cross. He includes Jesus saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Luke records that as the first thing that Jesus said from the cross in uh, not contradicting any other writer, but that is the first thing he records that Jesus said from the cross. And then when the thief on the cross said to him, well, the thieves were arguing, um, one thief rebuked the other. There were two that were nailed there with them. And one of those malefactors, which was hanged, railed on Jesus, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. So he was just mocking Jesus. But the other answering rebuked his fellow malefactor, and said, Don't you fear God, seeing you are in the same condemnation as we are, and we justly? For we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. We have a believer here beside Jesus. And Jesus said, Verily I say unto you today, you will be with me in paradise. We've talked many times about the thief on the cross and exactly how he came to be in paradise and what, if any, the ramifications of that are for us today, but we are, that's not the focus of our text today, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I simply wanted to point out that both of Jesus' sayings from the Gospel of Luke have to do with forgiveness. Those are the two things that Luke records that Jesus said and both of them have to do with forgiveness. We live in a very tolerant society, and by tolerant I mean that it becomes the greatest offense in our society today when we are critical of any sin or any lifestyle of anybody around us. And so much so that I believe we as Christians are easily influenced by this mindset that would encourage us to overlook sin around us even in our own lives and in the lives of those around us i just really think that we are experiencing um, what is going to be an eternal problem for many of us because we leave sin unaddressed around us or we really vehemently Become critical of those people who would hold any line of obedience as being required for salvation that's the sort of environment we live in as We watch it um, Politically uh, Come to fruition in our society as we now are looking at not only Rampant Fornication and adultery and adulterous marriages around us, but we have gone a step further now and are Watching what is now legal? marriage Union with all the rights of marriage of two homosexual people and we hear these cries of love whoever you want or um, How can we condemn? consensual love, or even wasn't Jesus about love. And when we think of those people in our society who commit, oh, many sins. In the church, sins of just walking away from the church, or sins of immorality, drunkenness, or fornication, or adultery are committed and are upheld by the sinner, a rebellious spirit of impenitence. Well, 1 Corinthians 5 tells us what to do about that sin, that we are to withstand it and that we are to withdraw from those people who are involved in it. And yet those who would follow the command of 1 Corinthians 5 and 2 Thessalonians 3, those who would follow those commands of withdrawal of fellowship, are condemned by the society around us as being unforgiving intolerant and the catchphrase seems to be holier than thou or um, proud and arrogant and pharisaical those are some of the terms that we hear to describe those people who would stand even with scripture about what is to be done about addressing sin in the body and then there are other ramifications of this line of thinking involving for instance um, Jesus saying in Matthew 19 9 that whosoever puts away his wife except it be for fornication and marries another commits adultery and those of us who take that for what it actually states there and would give an innocent party a right to remarry scripturally and full fellowship in taking that exception that jesus clearly gave well those of us who would say that that is um, something that can be taken advantage of that is an exception that jesus made that Innocent parties can remarry and have God's blessing God's full fellowship Well, that's what Jesus was saying if he was saying anything at all in Matthew 19 9 It's it's a, a clear passage there but those of us who would Would say that that exception is a valid exception are criticized for being unforgiving and intolerant of the guilty party Well, um, Jesus was not unforgiving or intolerant, but Jesus is the one who made the exception. And we, as his family, his church, must validate his words in the decisions that we make. Is it unforgiving when reconciliation doesn't take place? I don't think it necessarily is. I think that a person could, you know, we could, we could take that one step farther and say, well, I could go and shoot somebody and kill him. And if I repent of that sin, then nobody has a right to say anything ever to me about that sin again. There are no circumstances under which that sin can ever be addressed again because I have repented of that sin and I have, um, I have made that repentance known, so you can't talk about that sin anymore. Well, we know that there is a difference between complete restoration of a relationship, of a position in society, and forgiveness. Certainly, we can forgive people and not make all the factors of the relationship what they were before a pedophile can be forgiven without being placed in a situation of being alone with groups of children we can see that and we can we can take precautions in our world around us and yet we can be forgiving people i think that's a, that's an important point to make as we think about jesus saying father forgive them Did Jesus, right then on that day, did God the Father forgive those people in their impenitence, even as they were mocking Jesus, as they were hoisting that cross heavenward? Did God forgive them as Jesus prayed? Well, I'm going to say He forgave them as Jesus prayed, but I'm going to show you scripturally where. forgiveness occurred jesus prayed for something that was already in the mind of god and it was a place of forgiveness that was going to be established in just 50 days and we read about that place in acts chapter 2 and when we get to acts chapter 2 we see peter there standing up and actually addressing the same sin that Jesus addressed when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He said in verse 22, You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles, mighty works, wonders and signs which God did by him in the middle of you, as you yourselves also know. You can't argue with the fact that God through Jesus did miracles. Him, he is the one who was delivered by who? By God himself, the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, but you took him and by wicked hands, by the hands of lawless men, that is, you have crucified him and killed him. God raised him up though, verse 24, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Peter says there, you took the son of god. And then he goes on and says in verse 31, um, he's he's talking about the prophet that David the prophet and that he said his soul was not left in sheol. And then he said this Jesus has God raised up whereof we all are witnesses. And he's by the right hand of God exalted. He's received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. And that's what you're seeing and hearing right now. And listen, verse 36. Boy, this puts the nail in the coffin here, what he's trying to say. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. There is the same sin being addressed that Jesus addressed in Luke chapter um, 23 and verse 34. The same sin. They were crucifying him. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for this sin. And then in Acts chapter 2, less than two months later, Jesus is uh, being preached by Peter. And Peter says you are the one who did the sin you know this for sure and you know that God has made him both Lord and Christ then verse 37 when they heard this they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do well if they were already forgiven for that sin what did they need to do To be forgiven but Peter had an answer for that in verse 38 then Peter said to them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ why for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit why did they need forgiveness if God had granted that just at the prayer of Jesus immediately Jesus knew what he was praying for. It was the eternal plan of Jesus to set up the church in Acts 2 so that those people who had crucified him along with all of the other people who had committed sins through all of the ages of time could find forgiveness. And he simply cried out for that forgiveness from the cross in a very powerful and potent way that tied the cross to the establishment of the church, the purchase of the church and Certainly his prayer was answered in Acts 2 Those verse 41 who gladly received his word were baptized and the same day there were added to them about 3,000 souls Father Forgive them for they know not what they do now. I want you to hear me before I finish I believe that people have to repent Determined to turn from sin and determined to obey God before heavenly forgiveness is extended Thus I believe that I am to do everything that I can in love in Patience in the long-suffering nature that God himself has and commands us to have to get people to repent Of impenitent sin I believe that forgiveness was prayed for from the cross and that it is offered through the blood of Christ and I have to as a Christian want more than anything else the souls around me to accept the blood of the cross and thus receive forgiveness I have to have a spirit in my heart that yearns for the forgiveness of all people, even those people who have maliciously wronged me. And that's what I have to work for in Romans 12 when I'm doing good to those people. But I understand that forgiveness only comes in heaven with contact with the blood of Christ, in baptism, in penitence. For the believer who has already been baptized it comes with penitence from sin stopping the sin being humble before God and before Christians and saying I really want to do right and determining without duplicity that that is what I'm going to do and at that point forgiveness occurs of course and I have to be praying for wanting that forgiveness to all who are away from God but I don't believe that I can forgive that person absolving that person of all debt until God can forgive that person with the blood of Christ because and I'm not responsible for the system of forgiveness. I'm not, re- and I am responsible for my heart toward the sinner. Oh, I have to have a heart that wants with all of it, with all of my being, that person to be saved. But I understand that forgiveness comes when the blood has been contacted in compliance with the terms of forgiveness. That God gives the terms that He gives are met. I may be misunderstanding something, but I believe what I've said is biblical from Luke 23 and Acts 2. But I also believe that God has clearly pronounced judgment on impenitent sin and that there will be a line between the sheep and the goats in the day of judgment and that if I am long-suffering Merciful, I will not forget about your sin until God can forget about your sin. I Hope that this has been helpful. I hope that um, I know that it is not very popular in the society in which we live. Someone recently said something like, If I'm going to be critical of people, then I must be willing to give my all for those people. I must be willing to forgive those people, and I must be willing to give my life without resistance for those people. Well, I believe, I believe that's true. I believe we have to be willing to do whatever it takes to be able to forgive people. But yet, those people who hold impenitent sin between themselves and God will not be able to hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. If I want them to hear those words, I have to be working to do everything that I can to encourage repentance so that forgiveness can be available. All right, I hope that that's been helpful, and I hope you have a great day.